Joining us now, he writes for Sports Illustrated. He's the one and only Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. How are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, want to get into this uh, Anthony Davis and free agent stuff uh, here in a minute, but wanted to get your thoughts about the NBA Finals, certainly. What we saw in, in Game 5 and uh, what a heck of a game it was. Yeah, I mean, credit the Warriors, you know, for, you know, first of all, they're down 3-1 and to, to have kind of the mental toughness to rally, you know, to win a game like that is one thing. But to, to watch your, your star, who so much has been – has been talked about in the last you know few days and few weeks about his return and you know how healthy was he and why wasn't he back on the floor to watch him go down with an injury that everybody knew the severity of when it happened and to still be able to kind of rise to the occasion overcome uh, Kawhi Leonard onslaught and and show the you know you hate to use the phrase heart of a champion but it's kind of what it was um, it was really impressive and look I think they've positioned themselves well to to put a lot of pressure on Toronto. I mean, the Raptors still have two games to win one. One of those games is going to be on their home floor if this goes to a game seven. But if Golden State can pull out another win tonight at Oracle, the last game we'll ever see at Oracle, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna put a ton of pressure on that Raptors team. I mean, Golden State's been there before in game sevens. They've won some, they've lost some, but they're the team with experience, even if they would have to try to win it on the road. Chris, uh, what is Tim Lacombe, by the way, sitting in for Gordon? Um, what uh, what's the what's your take? I mean, who do you, who do you think wins tomorrow? You know, I I lean towards Golden State here, and I know that they lost two games at Oracle before, but yeah, I think that the Durant injury, in a way, can become a rallying cry for them, and can become a positive in the sense that it can serve as extra motivation. Now, they'll clearly miss Durant on the floor, but they've been playing without him for the better part of of a month. And, you know, they're used to it, and they're as healthy now as they've been, you know, prior to the Durant injury. Clay Thompson looks more like his former self. Um, You know, they'll have that crowd behind them. Um, And and I think they're going to have some momentum coming off that that game uh, five win. You know, they made some shots. Steph Curry got it going. Uh, There's still some health issues with Kevin Looney. We don't know what he's going to look like. Um, But I I like the Warriors in this one. I think it'll be close. I think it could come down to one shot or the other at the end. But I think Golden State at home, I, I take them. Chris Mannix with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Chris, my ultimate question is, you, you know, how did the, the Durant injury affect what's going to happen in free agency? But but help me out with something, because I hear there's there's some people out there that are saying that Kevin Durant should pick up his option with the Warriors, and I just don't see any scenario where that would be the smart thing to do. Why why would he ever do that? Well, there's there's a couple of reasons. One, you you opt into that contract – and it gives you a chance to rehabilitate without any pressure whatsoever of playing next year. Now, if he went to, say, New York and signed with the Knicks, nobody would expect him to be back in the first half of the season or even until the tail end of the season. But imagine this scenario where the Knicks are either in a playoff fight or in the playoffs. I think there'll be some people, and and media certainly, clamoring in New York for Kevin Durant to play. Now, I don't know that he'd ever bow to any kind of pressure ever again, but if you come back into Golden State, you operate next year. It's a lost year. You're getting paid $31.5 million to do nothing, to just rehabilitate and not come back under any circumstances. Also, if you entered free agency completely healthy in the summer of 2020, you could follow that up with a four-year deal. And Kevin Durant 
in 2020 is going to be approaching 32 years old. A four-year deal might take him to the rest of his career. It's basically saying you could have a five-year deal without having to sign the five-year deal with Golden State. That, that's, that's the one way to look at it if you're thinking about signing with or opting into that contract. Now, I don't think he should because you never know how you recover from these injuries. And if Kevin Durant surveys the landscape and sees that, you know, his agent, Rich Kleiman, sees that the Knicks, the Nets, or whomever are willing to offer a four-year max, which I do believe they will, uh, then you go take it uh, because you can't risk a setback. You can't risk potentially re-tearing it. And then who knows what kind of offer you get in 2020. As John Wall has proven, you take the bird in the hand. If the money is there and you're an injured player, you jump on it. Chris, uh, obviously Boston got a lot going on back there right now. Uh, Kyrie Irving opting out of his his situation with the Celtics. Uh, what where do you think uh, Kyrie ends up if if you had to uh, to kind of put some money on that thing? Where do you think he ends up? Well, I think the Durant injury shakes things up a little bit, as does the Celtics' uh, continued pursuit of Anthony Davis. I reported last week that. The Celtics were not going to take their foot off the gas when it came to pursuing Anthony Davis. They were going to continue to pressure, uh, put a lot of pressure on New Orleans, make big offers. I didn't know and still don't know if they'll include Jason Tatum in that offer, but the Celtics look at Anthony Davis as being their best chance of retaining Kyrie Irving. And now, with Durant out of the picture, at least for one year, the Celtics can say to Kyrie, you come back, we get Anthony Davis, we're giving you a chance to get all your money, to play with one of your closest friends, and to be at the least a co-favorite to win the whole thing next year. And and I think that will have some appeal to Kyrie Irving. Now, I don't know how strong the pull is to go back to New York. I don't know if he wants to play for the Nets. There's a lot of unknowns when it comes to Kyrie Irving, but I think the Celtics, they're doing everything they can with their pursuit of Anthony Davis to show Kyrie that that Boston is the best situation for him financially, and it's the best place he can win. Chris Mannix with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, I was talking about uh, the profile of Rich Paul in your uh, your Sports Illustrated, which I really enjoyed, by the way. Uh, what is your take on him, his role in the NBA, his influence, the way he carries himself, and, and what he had to say about the Celtics in that profile? Well, look, all agents want to be power brokers. They want to have influence within organizations. And look, the influence of an agent is is not new at all. I mean, you know, David Falk had it for years when he had Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing. Uh, the late Dan Fagan, it used to be a running joke how many guys Dan Fagan would get signed to the Mavericks um, at, at one point. So Rich Paul's power and, and him being able to use LeBron James to, to exert influence on what an organization does is just a continuation of that trend. Now, a fair critique, which Scott Price, the writer of that story, brought up, is when Rich Paul is trying to direct Anthony Davis to L.A., is he doing it for LeBron James, or is he doing it in the best interest of Anthony Davis? I think that's a fair question, and still an open question. I mean, Anthony Davis has publicly said he just wants to win. Well, if he just wants to win... Why is Rich Paul steering Davis so far away from Boston? I mean, I don't think you can argue that if Davis goes to Boston, Kyrie is there, Hayward is there, Al Horford is there. That's a pretty potent big four. I mean, that might be the best big four in the league, especially with Durant down for at least next season. So I think there's, 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 there's some conflicting 
conflicting stuff going on out, out there when it comes to you know Rich Paul's interest. Now, Rich has said that he said the right things in that story. That you know, going to LA, big market, you know, chance to succeed as a basketball player, and as as everything that goes on off the court, that's all well and good. But I don't think you can overlook that LeBron's there, and and written LeBron is the backbone of Rich Paul's agency. Is he trying to help LeBron succeed late in his career, or is he strictly looking out for Anthony Davis? That's the only thing that that that's unusual about the influence that Rich Paul has. Agents, as I said do this all the time. There's a rich history of agents having influence within organizations because of their star clients. There's not as much history about something like this happening where you have a top five player in the NBA potentially being steered a direction uh, because of another client on that of, of that agent. Chris, ever, uh, it's been well documented in the offseason has not been great to this point for, for the Lakers. Um, being in and around the league you feel like there's uh, there's any way that they can get that thing back on track uh, and get things going in the right direction? Well, they, they certainly can. I just don't know if they can do it with this current roster. And if they strike out on Anthony Davis, look, it's not the end of the world if they miss out on Davis because I do think there are other options out there for them. They'll still have cap space, and they can make significant offers to key players they can try to lure Tobias Harris back to L.A. or Jimmy Butler or any of the other number of guys. Kemba Walker could be in that mix. And they could still make a significant deal. One player that is not talked about much now but will be talked about in the coming weeks is Bradley Beal. You know, there, there still isn't, amazingly, a general manager in place in Washington, whether it's because they're waiting on Masai Ujiri or they're just not sure about Tommy Shepard, the current uh, assistant GM there. There is no GM in place in Washington. But once that GM uh, is settled on, I think the Wizards are going to open up the the bidding for Bradley Beal just because the next couple of years are not going to be very good with John Wall coming off an Achilles injury uh, of his own. And Bradley Beal is the type of player that the Lakers could get and could make a major impact. If they wind up with, say, Tobias Harris and Bradley Beal this offseason. I'm just throwing the Harris name out there because he's, he's going to be available. That's a pretty good offseason, and it gives LeBron at least the, the, the foundation for a team that will make the playoffs, and with that talent, and LeBron could make some noise in the playoffs. So right now, it, you're right, it hasn't been great, but uh, I still think the opportunity is there for them to succeed. Chris, it's pretty crazy. The draft is a week from tomorrow. Do you expect a lot of movement around the draft teams uh, posturing for free agency? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, you know, the, the Knicks and, and, and Lakers are are willing to part with those picks in exchange for an Anthony Davis type or a big deal that's out there. I think the, the Bulls at number seven are open for business on that pick. I don't think they want necessarily to get younger with a pick in that range. They'd like to get an established player to help them make the playoffs next year. Uh, but it, it, it all comes down to, to you know, draft night. I mean, there's a number of teams with multiple picks. Boston, I mean, what does Boston need three middle-of-the-pack first-round picks for? They don't. Uh, so th- that's something that uh, I think will be worth watching as well. But it, it's going to be a lot of chatter, certainly leading up to it. But you never know how much of that chatter will translate into deals. Uh, read an article today talking about, uh, you know, if Kyrie were to leave Boston and, and the name thrown out in, in the article I read was uh, was Mike Conley as a possibility to Boston. Uh, do you think that thing would have possibly have legs? Do you think he'd be a good fit? 
Uh, I mean, for the right price, I think it's a good fit. I thought Mike Conley had a terrific bounce back year uh, with the uh, with the Grizzlies this past season, coming off a lower leg injury of his own. His speed looked good. His offense looked sharp. He's never been the greatest defender in the world, but he was serviceable, I thought, for most of last season. He does have a lot of money owed to him, though. So if you're acquiring Mike Conley, I don't know if you're willing to give up a lot because that contract's going to gobble up your books for the next few years. But the Celtics, we all know their asset situation. They can trade multiple draft picks and, and even a young player or two in exchange for Mike Conley. And and the Grizzlies, we all kind of know they're keyed in on John Morant. He's their point guard of the future. They don't really have a, a slot for Mike Conley anymore. I mean, I, I think they want to hand over the keys to John Morant next season. And to do that, you have to move Mike Conley off the roster. So depending on what the Grizzlies are looking for, I, I think that's a possibility if, if everything goes south in Boston. Chris, thank you so much as always. Enjoy the rest of the finals. We really appreciate it, man. All right. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, your NBA Daily Assist. And there's been lots of news out there today, Tim, about uh, Anthony Davis. Of course, we mentioned Rich Paul said uh, he will not be staying in Boston. They can trade for him all they want. He'll play out the year and then uh, go where he wants to go. Uh, But the Lakers and uh, Celtics are are rumored still to be in talks with the New Orleans Pelicans. But uh, apparently the Lakers package is is this. And tell me if you you like this deal for for the Pelicans. They would send uh, the four pick in the upcoming draft, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. And they would actually have to bring in a third team to make it work. So obviously that wouldn't be the deal in and of itself. But I I think you could do better than Ingram and Ball. And apparently the Lakers are holding out Kuzma. They don't want to trade Kyle Kuzma as part of the deal. Yeah, for me, that's the name that I, I think I would hold out for uh, as, as opposed to one of the other two. Um, I'm not a huge Lonzo Ball guy personally uh, and all the stuff that he brings with his situation. But uh, I think Kuzma would be actually a really good piece and you would be getting something, a young guy that you could, you know, have a chance to kind of build with and build around. Yeah, not a surprise. I think the Lakers want to keep him as opposed to Ingram, who's got those blood clot issues, which are scary, by the way, which would be some risk in in trading for him. I'm with you on Lonzo. It gets back to why would you draft a point guard who can't shoot? It's what's going to limit Ben Simmons, too. I mean, he can distribute, and he's a great athlete, and there's no doubt about it, but if you've got a, a, a point guard that can't put the ball in the basket, it's an issue in today's day. I mean, it's not, a lot of times it's not even near the basket. Not even some close. Of, some of the shots he shoots. And that and form is broken. It's broken. He it's shoots broken. that thing from the left side. <laughs> yeah. There, there's all sorts of reasons, but if you want to just focus on one, I'm with you. That's it got, You got it. In, the, in today's game, you have to have – a guy who can distribute, but he, you can't have a, an absolute just uh, weakness at shooting the basketball. Now, i got to tell you, I am not a fan of, of LeVar Ball per se, but I do think the man is brilliant. Oh, there's no question. He uh, got that guy picked number two in the NBA draft. He got draft. that guy picked number two, and all the buzz. It's crazy because it's like he's gone and jumped in a hole now. You never hear a thing about him anymore. because his other two kids are not uh, – no. Good. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> they're not uh, good. It's crazy. I was at an AAU event early, early, early in the whole ball situation, and he created his own AAU team, and they played all of the shoe company teams, and it was an absolute, just that alone was an absolute circus. I mean, they had the little guy, LaMelo, 
at the time, he he probably was like sixth, seventh grade playing with all the seniors in high school. Oh wow! I mean, it was an, and he was shooting from half court, and it was it was incredible. I wish that was something that I would have taped because it was it was a circus. Yeah, that guy's a piece of work. He's kind of the but brilliant. I'm with you, totally 100 percent brilliant from a PR standpoint. PR standpoint, yep, amazing because he got everybody talking about him. You know, and the the old adage that there really is no bad publicity. Um, that's arguable, but he got everybody's attention and got everybody for that period of time talking about him. He hand selected the team that he wanted his kid to go to. And got and him got picked, it. number yeah. two. I mean, it didn't work out for anybody else. Just said, no, we're going to the Lakers. That's happening. It, it, it really and it happened. <laughs> what? It, yeah, and now that thing is absolutely blown to smithereens. You know, it's just crazy. I know. I'm just waiting to hear from LeVar again. Can you imagine when LeVar, if, if they go to New Orleans, a, a small market like that, where his voice is just going to be that much louder in that small of a market? I mean, I'm sure David Griffin's like, man, I don't. You, I, of course you want to include Lonzo in the deal. Of course you do. You should be paying me to take that guy. How great would it be if uh, they open, you know, he goes to go to New Orleans and they open a little restaurant there on Bourbon Street and serve drinks out of all of the shoes that they didn't sell. (laughs) Lavars. The ones that didn't fall apart when, when we're out there. Yeah, I'm sure glad I didn't fall for that and buy those. You know, he he went a bridge too far. When this he went, soup's a little chewy. <laughs> <laughs> he went a bridge too far when he went to Nike and said, if you want all three of my sons, you've got to take all three and we want a billion dollars. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where do we sign? Let me think. Let, hmm. hmm no. Going through a tunnel. Sorry. <laughs> Last year. <laughs> but I mean, he was okay at UCLA. I mean, they were all right. They were a tournament team, but it, it, it's not like... It's not like he was unbelievable at UCLA. I couldn't believe he got picked number two. No, I was shocked, too. I was shocked. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.